following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Progress, edited by C.J. Lovick, we're using it with permission. Bunyan speaks about the cross. I want to read for you a portion of what he says. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress with Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Now I saw in my dream that the highway up which Christian was to go was fenced on each side with a wall. The wall was called salvation. Therefore it was up this highway that Christian ran, but not without great difficulty because of the burden of the load on his back. Remember, Christian was coming out of this city called Destruction. He had been heavily burdened with his sin. And he found evangelists coming to speak to him, directing him to run toward the narrow road, the narrow gate. And Christian did just that. He left behind his family, 
he left behind friends, and he ran as fast as he could, and he knocked repeatedly on this narrow gate. Finally, being granted admittance, and now he is on his journey. And the first place his journey will take him, after the Holy Spirit begins to deal with him in his inner heart, he will take him to the narrow road, and immediately he will come to the cross. He ran till he came to a small hill, and at the top of which stood a cross, and at the bottom of which was a tomb. I saw in my dream that when Christian walked up the hill to the cross, his burden came loose from his shoulders, fell off his back, tumbling down the hill until it came to the mouth of the tomb where it fell in to be seen no more. Then Christian was relieved and delighted and exclaimed with a joyful heart, He has given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. For a while he stood still in front of the cross to look and wonder. It was very surprising to him that the sight of the cross should ease him of his burden. He continued looking at the cross until tears began to stream down his cheeks. <clears throat> Now as he stood looking and weeping, three shining ones came to him and greeted him with, Peace be with you. Then the first said to him, Your sins are forgiven. The second stripped him of his rags and dressed him with new clothing. The third put a mark on his forehead and gave him a scroll with a seal on it. He told Christian to review it often as he went on his way, and at the end of the journey to turn it in at the celestial gate. After this they went on their way. Then Christian gave three leaps for joy and went on his way singing, Thus far I did come, burdened with my sin, nor could I find relief from my grief within. Until here I came, what a place this is. Here shall be the beginning of full, eternal bliss. Now my burden falls from my back forever. From the cords that bound it, by grace my grief is severed. Blessed cross, blessed tomb. Rather most blessed be the man who there was put to shame a shame he took for me. I saw then in my dream that Christian went on until he came to the bottom of the hill, and there he saw lying by the side of the path three men fast asleep with chains about their feet. The name of the one, Foolish. The second, Sloth. The third, presumption. Christian went to see if he might awaken them, and said to them, You will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies on top of a mast. 
Though the Dead Sea is under you, a gulf that has no bottom. Wake up! Get back on the path. But if you're willing, I will help you take off your iron shackles. He also told them, If he that goes about like a roaring lion comes by and finds you this way, he will destroy you with his teeth. With that they looked at Christian and began to reply to him. Foolish said, I see no danger. Sloth said, I just need a little more sleep. And Presumption said, Everyone needs to make his own choices. You need to mind your own business and not meddle in ours. So they all lay down to sleep again. And Christian went on his way. Christian was troubled to think that men in such danger should have so little regard for the kindness he had extended when he awakened them and counseled them and offered to free them of their iron shackles. Let's stop there for just a minute. Let's talk about this. There is a wickedness in our land today. It is an utter wickedness. It is a wickedness that says, I don't have to go through the cross and into the tomb. It's a wickedness that says, I can come and kneel at the foot of the cross, and there I can confess Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, and I'm saved. It's a wickedness because there is no salvation until I've gone through the cross. Jesus went to the cross and then he went to the tomb. And from the tomb, he went to the resurrection. There is no going to the resurrection until you've been to the tomb. I've been to the holy sepulcher. I've walked in that empty tomb in Jerusalem just outside. I found it empty. Death all about it. But the stone had been rolled away and he was no longer there. If you're afraid to go into the death, you cannot go into the resurrection. This is the lie of the modern church. I can go to the modern church, I can kneel at the cross, and I can say, I'd like all of the benefits that this cross affords me. I'd like the eternal life, I'd like the joy, I'd like the peace. But then you get up and you walk away. You're still wearing the same old clothing stained with sin and wickedness. You're not a new person. You're the same old, same old. You have not received the scroll. I'm not sure what the scroll is. Sometimes I think it's the testimony that you've been to the grave and you've been to the resurrection 
Other times I wonder if the scroll is actually a portion of scripture that you read and you keep going back to to be encouraged to continue in the way of the cross and the resurrection. See, there is a whole journey to be taken once we've knelt at the cross. Kneeling at the cross is but the first step. Then we must go through the cross and we must enter the tomb. We must die with Christ. There our sins are all forgiven. They're not just forgiven. The word forgive in the Greek is aphemy. It's a primary word that means off, away, to send away, to be lifted away. It's no longer there for you. If you refuse to go to the tomb, if you refuse to go through the cross, and Paul says that that's being crucified, it's dying. Now, there are just a, a couple of scriptures I'd like to take you to. Romans, the sixth chapter. Romans, the sixth chapter. I'll begin with verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Do you notice it does not say, baptized into Jesus Christ, you were baptized into your knees at the foot of the cross. It's not what it says. Notice, verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. This is not talking about the water baptism primarily. Now that may apply, but that's not the primary meaning here. This is a total death of my wicked nature of my wicked life i am baptized into death that like as christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father even so we also should walk in newness of life so a person who has gone to the cross has confessed their sins then they must be crucified they must go through the cross into the tomb with Christ. And then they're resurrected and they're new people. The old is no longer there. The new has come. There is newness of life. Verse 5, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. See, the only way you can be freed from your sin is not by trying hard. You cannot, by the law, gain righteousness. Oh, I'm not supposed to smoke. Okay, I'll stop smoking. No, you won't. Oh, getting angry is sin. I'm not going to get angry anymore. 
So you go to an anger management class. Well, they'll help you stuff it down a little better, perhaps, but it will still come raging out. Judgment. Lying, stealing, cheating. These things are not handled by willpower and law. The law comes and points out, look, here's your sin. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> love your brother as yourself. And you do until you don't. And then you really don't. Bitterness rises. Anger rises. Words are spoken. The only answer to my sinful nature is to go through the cross and be crucified with Jesus Christ. Any gospel that teaches that you can go kneel at the foot of the cross, confess your sins and be forgiven, and walk away from that cross has lied to you. And you are not saved. Your conscience has been assuaged, but then you're going to have to constantly keep going back and repenting and repenting and repenting because you keep going back and doing the same old, same old, same old sin over and over and over. There's only one answer to that. It is to be crucified with Jesus Christ. It is to come to the end of yourself and finally say, I am done with the devil. I'm done with my sin. And I ask Jesus to crucify me. I ask Jesus to take me into death. You cannot go there by yourself. You can only be crucified with Christ Jesus. You cannot be crucified by yourself. This is not a solo expedition. Christ was crucified for you. You must be crucified with him. Now I know what I'm saying does not fit with the modern teaching of the modern church. I was taught the way you start a church is you go out and survey the neighborhood and you ask lots of questions and you find what offends those in your neighborhood oh you don't want me to ask for money okay let's not do that offering business oh you don't like the cross okay let's remove the cross from the church oh you do like a band and you like a music concert at the beginning of the church? Oh, and you want some donuts and coffee at the beginning? You want some fellowship then? And then maybe afterward we'll have again donuts and coffee? You you want to feel comfortable? Okay, we'll make you feel comfortable at church. We like to make you feel comfortable. We don't want you to be uncomfortable at the church. Well, what happens? made comfortable at the church you kneel down at the cross you 
maybe say a little prayer, and then you get up and walk away, and you're the same old, same old wicked person that you were before. There's no salvation there. And so as one pastor, I ask the question, is your church a worldly church? Oh, yes, it's very worldly. We have worldly music. We have strobe lights, and we have smoke, and we have all kinds of things. We do the the coffee and the donuts. We do everything to make people comfortable at church. We hope that if they're comfortable enough, they'll finally decide to follow Jesus. Well, would you follow Jesus if you're told the only way you can follow him is to be crucified? I think it's a little uncomfortable. No one has ever said that crucifixion is a rocking chair. No one ever said that being crucified was like a cruise on the ocean. Oh, you want to have a watermelon fest as soon as you can this summer, and you and you want to have some social gatherings, and you want to play some board games together. You just want to make people feel welcome and apart, and, and if they feel welcome and apart, then maybe you could talk to them a little bit about this soft Jesus. It's not going to work. You can build a mega church very quickly. It'll be a mega church on the way to hell. Because nobody's changed. Everybody's still a pagan. I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a, a, a large church or even a small church, and the people are simply spray painted with Jesus, but they're pagan at heart. They've never been crucified with Christ. Have you been crucified with Jesus? Have you died with him? Or are you still of your strong opinions, judgments against others, bitterness in your heart, mean to your kids, yell and scream at your wife, treat her with coldness, cheat at work if you have to, lie when you have to, when you're going to get caught, lie. Some of you are still playing with drugs, alcohol, tobacco, marijuana. What's the difference? They're all drugs. Some of you are addicted to Oxycontin or some pharmaceutical drug. Why? Because you've never died. It's still you trying to control your comfort level. It's you still trying to control your environment. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel of darkness. The good news of the kingdom of heaven is that the incredible power and authority of God comes upon your life. You're crucified with Christ. Verse 7. This is Romans 6, verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. If you have not been freed from your sin, it's not time to work harder. It's time to die. It's time to give up your agenda. It's time to give up your life. 
It's time to seek after Jesus with all of your heart. It's not time to to kick back and and go to a class to figure out some strategy for how you can deal with this problem in your life. It's not time to go to counseling. It's time to die. To give up your rights. To be crucified with Christ. Verse 8. This is Romans 6, verse 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Well, how do you not let sin reign in your mortal body? by dying and choosing to no longer offer the members of your body your hands your feet your mouth your mind no longer offered as an instrument of unrighteousness unto sin but instead yield yourselves completely unto god as those that are alive from the dead your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. This is so crucial. I I don't know how to emphasize it sufficiently. It is so vital that you understand this. It is so important that you grasp this. I know it's a strange concept. It goes against all that I was taught. And by the way, let me say one thing. I was taught so many things that are not true. Some of you have noticed that I'm reading from the King James Version. Last week I did a broadcast where I was negative toward the King James Version and positive toward some of the modern translations. Well, I was taught in seminary that the King James Version was outmoded and outdated. I was taught that King James was a homosexual and that he was committing incest with his mother. I was taught that it was outdated and that we should not use it. We should use instead the Revised Standard Bible or one of the other, NIV or some such Bible. Whoa, did I get an earful after that broadcast. One brother called me, and I think we must have spent an hour on the telephone while he began educating me. He was not... Uh, he was not nasty. He was not in any way being proud or arrogant. He simply said, where did you get that information? 
Well, I was taught that. Everybody knows that. Well, what do you mean everybody knows that? I don't know that. I researched and I found something very different. Well, I'm still in the midst of my research, but while I'm doing the research, I am startled by what I'm finding. And quite frankly, you're probably going to hear me only using the King James Version on this broadcast and in my preaching. And I'm also going to refer to the Lavender Bible, which is a very literal translation, but the base is going to be the King James Version. I really treasure people who can educate me, not fight with me. I mean, I treasure the man who began to teach me about righteousness. I treasure John Wesley's writings. I treasure Malcolm Lavender, Dr. Lavender, as he completely exposes the lie of the sinning Christian. I've searched the scriptures regarding these things and found them to be true. I was in my early life and ministry, a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. It was quite startling for me to begin to understand that every day is the Sabbath and not just the seventh day. Hebrews 3 and 4 and many other places. It was startling for me to learn that most of the doctrines that I was taught as a Seventh-day Adventist were false doctrines. And I had to search the scriptures. I feel like all of my life I've been searching the scriptures and being exposed to truth that somehow I miss. Now, maybe I'm just a slow learner. But I'm coming to this broadcast day after day, and I am challenging you on what you believe, even as I have been challenged in what I believe. And I am not proud about what I know I want to know as much as I can about the honest gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to be informed by the Holy Spirit. This is not about who knows something. This is about Jesus and walking faithfully with Jesus in the truth. Now, I at one time preached the lie that justification was a a forensic or legal term and that we were declared righteous in the new covenant and not made righteous. I'm not proud of my ignorance, but it meant a whole life change for me. It meant I had to quickly adopt the truth that came to me about Jesus Christ. I can't tell you how many things in my life I've discovered as I have studied that I was wrong, that everybody knows it except it's false. I mean, if you ask anybody, they'll tell you, everybody sins every day. You can't help but sin. Even the Bible answer man said that. Everybody says everybody sins every day. None of us are perfect. None of us can stop sinning. Well, everybody knows that, and it's a lie. It's not true. It's not according to the word. I just read for you 
Romans, the sixth chapter. It's simply not true. It's not the Bible. So, I simply have to say to you, I'm sorry. I spoke out of ignorance regarding the King James Version. And King James, he was a godly man. He was a serious Christian. It wasn't until 25 years after his death that a man who was bitterly angry with him because he was cast out of the court and was shamed, that man began to make the accusations that King James was a hom- had been a homosexual. Those who knew King James in that day and who were still alive totally countered this man and he was shamed for his lies. But today those lies are accepted as truth. Our lamestream media constantly is telling us lies. It's called fake news. To the point I can't believe anything I hear in the news. I simply, NBC, ABC, CBS, ABC, they're all liars. They don't speak the truth. The Washington Post, I I remember when I used to read it religiously until I discovered that they are not telling us the truth. Well, my whole life has been a an expedition to find the truth. So I'm not ashamed to admit that when I've missed it, and I I have to confess I missed it on the King James Version, and some of you are very faithful and understand all of the ins and outs of the King James Version, and I have to confess I don't know all of that yet, but I'm finding it. It's the text I grew up with until I went to seminary where I was told Stop reading the King James Version. The people won't understand it. Bruce Metzger, you may not know that name, but he wrote the textbook at my seminary, a conservative holy, holiness seminary. And he was the one who was in league with Catholics and others to make an ecumenical Bible we know as the Revised Standard Bible. Well, I don't want an ecumenical Bible that has watered down the scriptures. I don't want that. I want the raw word of the living God. And so today I'm coming and very honestly telling you, out of John Bunyan's life, 1678, when he published for the first time, this wonderful allegory called Pilgrim's Progress and the scriptures that kneeling at the cross is not enough. You're going to have to die and you're going to have to go into the tomb. Not easy. But it means coming to the Lord humbly admitting that we're wrong and taking the steps necessary to change our course to stop doing what he describes now as the man who is foolish the man who is slothful 
and the man who is presumptuous. The man who is foolish simply thinks he knows the truth and his heart is not open to hearing anything but what mommy and daddy taught him. And I painfully discovered that my mom and dad taught me things that simply were not true and they didn't do it with any intention of deceiving. They simply taught me what they'd been taught. And sloth doesn't have time to do any searching of the scriptures or any looking at anything other than what he already believes. He's slothful. He won't do the work of searching the scriptures. And presumption just decides, hey, I know the truth. Get out of my face. Don't talk to me about dying and going on the cross. I don't have to die and go on the cross. So these three, foolish, sloth, and presumption, avoided the cross, walked around it with their chains on. Now, what do the chains represent? In Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, the chains represent the bondage of sin. They never had the bondage of sin broken from their lives, but they are trying to walk on the narrow path. But they don't get very far. They're exhausted with the heaviness of their chains, and they lie down to go to sleep. And they're right there where the lion, the devil, can come and devour them. And I've seen him devour so many. And it grieves my heart deeply. It is required that we have an open mind without pride. That we want the truth. And of course, as I shared last week, Jesus said, I am the way. He said, I am the life, and I am the truth, and I am the way. The people of the early church were called people of the way, that is, people of the path, the journey. The only way you can be successful on the path is to be crucified with Christ and go into the tomb, to come through the cross and be dressed in new raiment, and have the old, filthy, sinful habits removed from your life and from your heart. And if you're still wearing your old raiment, you're not going to get very far on the Christian path. And you're finally going to drop down to sleep with the chains about you to be destroyed by the devil. The cry of my heart is that you would awaken from your slumber that you would allow yourself to be crucified with Christ Jesus and you would allow yourself to have the chains removed the bondage taken from your life but the price is crucifixion Bunyan has the angel coming and stripping off the old clothes putting a mark on his forehead that says you belong to the Lord God of heaven and a scroll of testimony. Now, Christian tries his best to awaken them, and I am trying my best to awaken foolish sloth and presumption today as you listen to this broadcast. And it's very simple. You can test very quickly to see whether I need to awaken you. 
do you still walk in known rebellion or sin against the Lord? If you do, you are either foolish, slothful, or presumptuous. Those are your menu of options. And you're just waiting for the devil to come and destroy you. And he will. Bunyan pictures this as trying to sleep on the top of a mast. So when the boat rocks in the wind, you'll fall off the mast into the depths of the Dead Sea where you will be utterly cast off and lose everything you've had with Jesus Christ. You can still keep your religion. You can still keep your rituals. But the Holy Spirit will not be with you or in you. Now he continues, Christian was troubled to think that men in such danger should have so little regard for the kindness he had extended when he awakened them, counseled them, and offered to free them of their iron shackles. Some of you who listen to this broadcast become angry at the words I speak. And you turn the radio off for a while and you don't listen and then finally the Holy Spirit convicts you and you come back again. And some of you have said to me, Pastor, you only have one sermon. Well, that's not true. I have two sermons. One sermon is repent. And I come at it from every direction possible from the Word of God. The second sermon is be righteous, be holy, because God is holy. So I have two sermons, repent and righteousness. Take your pick. Which do you need? Now, as Bunyan is describing Christian continuing to walk, Christian sees two men who come tumbling over the wall onto the path. Now, they immediately come toward Christian. The name of the one was formalist and the other was hypocrisy. And soon they're walking with Christian on the path. But Christian immediately begins to engage them in conversation. He says, gentlemen, where did you come from and where are you going? Well, formality and hypocrisy replied, we were born in the land of vain glory. And we're going to Mount Zion where we expect we will receive both praise and honor. Well, why didn't you enter by the gate that stands at the beginning of the way? Don't you know that it is written that he who does not come in by the door but climbs up some other way is a thief and a robber? Now, let's let's be clear. Vainglory is the land of, of man's pride. And they can't be taught new things. They think they already know. Oh, I know, Pastor! Really? Then why are you still walking in your sin? Oh, I'm saved, Pastor. Then why are you still walking in darkness? Why do the things of the world attract you so? Why do the professional sports attract you so if you're saved? Why does the entertainment of the world, the movies and the, and the video games, 
all the foolishness. Why is that so attractive to your heart if you're saved? Well, I come from vainglory. I'm a stubborn man. You can't teach me anything, Pastor. I know it all. And one is named formalist, meaning I have my forms of worship. I have those things that make me feel good. And the other is hypocrisy, saying one thing but doing another. They're walking with Christian on the path. But they did not come in by the gate. They did not come in by the cross. They did not come through the cross and enter into the tomb, the sepulcher. And they were never resurrected in the newness of life. They still walk in the wickedness of their own soul. Now, formalist and hypocrisy answer that to go to the gate would be considered by them and their countrymen as simply inconvenient, roundabout, especially since they could shorten the journey by simply climbing over the wall as they had done. And Christian says, well, won't this be seen as trespassing? Don't you think the Lord of the city for which we are bound must count it as a violation of his revealed will? Formalist and hypocrisy told Christian not to worry about it, since it had been the custom of their land for more than a thousand years. But, asked Christian, will your custom stand up in a court of law? They replied, this custom of entering the way by taking a shortcut has been going on as a long-standing practice for more than a thousand years and would be ruled as a legal practice by any impartial judge. And besides, they added, as long as we get into the way, what does it matter how we get in? If we are in, we are in. You came into the way through the narrow gate. We came tumbling over the wall. And since we are both in, who's to say that your chosen path is better than ours? Well, what's wrong with that argument? Well, simply, they have never been dressed in new clothing. They're not new men. They may call themselves churchmen, but they're not new men. They still walk in the old things of the flesh. They've never been changed or transformed their heart has never been circumcised by Jesus please am I am I describing you today has Christian life been simply a matter of self-improvement working on the hard things in your life Jesus doesn't call us to work hard. He calls us to die. And he will do the crucifixion. We can't crucify ourselves. He will do the crucifixion. But we must be willing to die to everything of this flesh and of this world. Now, we don't have very much time left in today's broadcast. And I need to just say a couple of things to you very quickly, and then we're going to come back if I have time. We're coming to the end of the month, and we are still far short of the ability to pay for this month's broadcast. This is one of the most expensive months of the year, 23 broadcast days.
I would ask if you care about this broadcast, if your heart is touched and moved by the Holy Spirit, would you contribute to help us remain on the air? I don't know the exact figure yet, but we're somewhere around probably $2,500 short. Now, there is a pledge of 1500 that I trust will come in, but we're still, you can see, way short. So I'm asking, would you pray about what you are to give? And you're welcome to give either by sending a check, cash, money order. I thank my dear sister. Last night I found your $30 money order for Pilgrim's Progress. Thank you so much. I know you're a new Christian and Jesus is moving powerfully in your heart. Thank you for your gift. I know you don't have much, but you are giving what you have. Thank you. Would you give what you have? and address it to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Let me give you that address again. It's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or you can go to the webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. And there you'll see a donate button. Many of you have been asking us for this. You can give either by a check, and the address is there for where to send it, or you can give using a debit card or a credit card. I simply ask that you not go in debt to give to the National Prayer Chapel. This is not listener-sponsored radio. This is Jesus-sponsored radio. And if Jesus moves in your heart, would you give as he calls you? And I thank the many who have already given. Some have given some large sums and some very small sums. It doesn't matter. Jesus puts it all together in one pile. It all goes to pay for the radio broadcast. So I ask, would you would you give today? I would love to hear from you this week. That will help me know whether we need to do an offertory next week. So again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Mr. Producer, how much time do we have left? Three minutes. That's not very much time, is it? But I want to use it wisely. I want to come back and say to you, would you please consider these men, hypocrisy, formalist, foolish, slothful, presumption, and ask the question, have you died? Have you been crucified with Christ? It matters how you got onto this road of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
You cannot walk this path. You cannot be saved if you do not come in by the door, Jesus Christ. You must be given new clothing to wear to cover your nakedness. And you must receive the word of God that you can read and meditate and be stripped utterly of your rags. Now let's pray. Almighty God, you are the king of all the earth. I pray today that you will make plain to the heart of my brother or my sister if they have a desperate need to be crucified with you. Lord God, would you deal with our hearts today and take away our pride and our stubbornness and do a new work in our hearts. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for listening today. I pray God's blessing on your life. I'll talk to you soon. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Jesus.